0: Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello and welcome to the Rangeley Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangeley. With me as always my co-host and Rangeley's founder, Chris DeMuth. It is Tuesday, November 17th, and today we're going to talk about the epic short squeeze over at Dry Ships and then some strange language in the face of weak earnings at Lowe's. Uh, But, Chris, before we go to that, I was just thinking, like, as I was putting this together, our last two podcasts was Warren Buffett buying airlines and Donald Trump becoming president – do you feel like we're living in a bizarro world at
1: all? I actually had a friend earlier this year uh, that speculated, and he tweeted about this at the time, I think it was in March, that if Satan came to him and offered him a, <laughs> a clubs vic- Cubs victory, he said, he said, I would do it, even if the only condition was Trump winning and getting the presidency. <laughs> and he specifically mentioned those two things, which I think the likelihood of both at the time is pretty it, low. It just, it, so it feels it like he took the deal apparently. down?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But let's go to Drive. Sure. Dry ships uh, so dry ship owns dry bulk shippers, basically, they own a ton of ships that transport bulky materials like coal and iron ore across the ocean, and this is you know this is one of the worst, most commoditized businesses you can be in. You own a ship it 's there, the costs are basically fixed, mm-hmm. and you 're kind of at the mercy of the market for whatever they 'll pay to ship goods from one area to the other. Uh, the index of shipping rates has been crushed over the past few years as Chinese demand for iron ore and the demand for coal worldwide has declined and that has, did you want to say something? About I was here? just going to
1: say, it's an interesting business, the likelihood that any one of these equities is ultimately worth zero under those circumstances so at the mercy of the commodities yeah. is, is very high it's it, way over 50 You know, I, I think you and I both read, what was it, The
0: Shipping Man a couple years ago or something? Fun book, yes. Yeah, it was a great book and what it was saying, and it's a fictional book based on real life stuff, but you know, you own these things and you own a ship and nine out of 10 years you make nothing or negative money. And then in one year there's a squeeze where there are too few ships and there's too much supply, uh, there's too much demand and you make tons of money. But uh, anyway, the index uh, has just been crushed and it's resulted in an awful couple of years for uh, dry ships investors. Uh, Through November 1st, shares had dropped from a split-adjusted $260 to $4 at November 1st. So that's just your typical 98% decline. Uh, They were at $1,700 split-adjusted just two years ago. But their shares have been on fire ever since Donald Trump got elected. Uh, Donald Trump's election sent the dry bulk index from $800 to $1,150. And that rally resulted in a massive rally in dry ship shares. They went from $4 at the start of the month to closing at $70 yesterday. Dry Shifts took advantage of the massive surge and announced a huge stock offering this morning, which sent shares from $70 to $11. But still, if you had invested at the start of the month, you've got a very nice profit. So Chris, why don't you start us off by talking about what's driving this huge demand and and all the interesting things here? Well,
1: before the election, I was fascinated by this index. I am obsessed with superlatives. I find that at... A uh, narrow range is fundamentals don't always make that big a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, the difference between 12 times and 13 times, it's very noisy. But extremely expensive and extremely inexpensive things tend to make a difference. And there's a difference between very high and low relative to historical prices but it's still interesting to me why because most strong reactions are overreactions. Mm-hmm. not all of them but frequently when something's massively down it also happens to be low at least it's worth checking and actually it was since I read that book that I've kind of been in the market for a dry bulk uh, <laughs> sh- ship uh, especially a kind of an uninsurably uh, rusty uh, bucket you can get a few <laughs> squeeze a few last runs in and I always have the thought if you could get people who could really uh manage the ship well and kind of do repairs while you're shipping, you could kind of put this together uh well. Uh and uh but I couldn't find a single publicly traded security that looked like a bargain to me, uh even down 90 plus percent. A lot of them looked worthless. Uh and then boom, uh this past week. Uh, and uh, my reaction to that is shorting is not just the inverse of long; it's not the same thing. Uh, one of the few merciful things if you have a one percent position long and it gets cut in half is <laughs> you, you have a terrible, terrible investment, but now you only have a half a percent position. Yeah. Uh, kind of uh, you're less exposed going forward, and if it goes down again, uh, but that is not the same mechanics as when you're short.
0: So I, I think that's exactly right. So what happened here was a typical short squeeze, right? Like people saw this levered security, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Dry Ships has a lot of leverage Mm -hmm. and they were betting on it to go to zero and the index goes from $800 to let's call it $1,100 and all of that will flow straight through to the bottom line because it costs the same run of ship whether the index is at $200, $800, $1,100 Levered security, highly shorted. And there was a short squeeze for the ages that took this from four to a hundred. And as you're saying, if you're long a stock and it goes from, let's say four to two, gets cut in half. You just lose 50%. Most, you can lose is zero. If you're short a stock and it goes from, it can go from four to 12 and all of a sudden you've lost 200% of your money. And in this case, if it goes from four to 50, crazy things start happening as margin calls start getting hit. There's a crazy short squeeze. Uh, And the company took advantage of it here, and good for them. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, um, I actually had KBIO in a model portfolio. It was not real money for for my wife. We were doing something teaching the kids about investing, and it was a short idea. And she actually started to get angry in the process of this (laughs) because it was losing so much money when it was uh, getting squeezed. So these things can last a while. and really, really wrong.
0: Well, well, let's talk. So I think there are two famous short squeezes. The most famous one of all time is Volkswagen Porsche. And then there's the KBIO one that you just described. But let's describe it. Sorry, listen. So sure. I mean,
1: this, this was a um, uh, Martin Scarelli uh, uh, vehicle, um, and he uh, and described it very much at the time, uh, uh, pulled back the borrow from the stock.
0: Yes. Uh, so this was a uh, company that had one drug. It was a research company, and the drug went bust, and they were burning R&D money like crazy, and it was clear they were going bankrupt. It was worthless. And a bunch of day traders, or maybe even investors, were shorting this thing like crazy because it was clear it was worthless and they were shorting it to zero. Martin Shkreli came in and bought up 55, 75% of the float or something Mm -hmm. and he pulled his borrow. So all of a sudden, you know, if 50% of shares are short and he pulls his borrow so that there's only 20% of shares outstanding, you can't cover your short. And the stock ran up from two dollars per share on its way to zero from two to about 30 in this massive short squeeze he took advantage of it raised a lot of capital to fund this company get a lot of uh, money in basically funding it with the short squeeze but then he got accused of fraud and had to retire i I think the company is actually still publicly traded though with using the money that he funded it with but that was one of the short squeezes for the ages Mm -hmm. do you you want to talk about the volkswagen uh, one do you want to talk about takeaways i I,
1: I would just say my my, my takeaway from that and similar with dry ships, where they raise money. Now here, dry ships had not caused the situation, so yeah. I think it's even more pure ethically. But I would say that the purpose of the secondary market is for the primary market. So the whole purpose of having a stock market and a yeah. bond market and prices ultimately is so companies can raise capital. And so if uh, you know why, what is good about being undervalued? What is good about being overvalued? If you're undervalued like uh, stocks are from time to time, you can buy back shares. If you're overvalued, you can issue equity, and you should fully take advantage of it. Yep,
0: that. yep, 100% agree. And, but, you know, I, I think it really does – it, it does keep in mind like if you're shorting you need small position sizes you need to know what you're doing and the other thing is like a lot of times you're shorting bankrupt securities but or if you're shorting fraud something crazy happens that's actually frauds can run up a lot more than if you're just shorting a retailer because you think they're 10 percent overvalued or something because frauds aren't tied to fundamental economics this is something on the verge of bankruptcy not really tied to fundamental economics kind of tied to changes in sentiment to be honest with you
1: yeah, if somebody's committing fraud, they're probably not lying that they're doing badly or even moderately. They're probably <laughs> going to lie that they're doing extremely well. Uh, so yeah, no, that can be uh, that can be a problem. And then the other famous uh, short squeeze at all times was the Porsche Volkswagen situation, yep. and that drew in many more professional real investors. You know, professional funds really had big positions there. And if you can have uh, the right staying power, these often can be lucrative opportunities. Kind of once they're once they're exposed. You know the issue is you kick yourself when you miss them. So I, I
0: sent one around I sent an email around last night we were thinking about it. I was like maybe we should be shorting this. But if you you can say maybe we should be shorting it when it runs from 4 to 12 and then you go from 12 to 100 and you're like, "Oh my god, I am bankrupt." Or you can say that if you say it at 70, there's no reason it can't go to 700. You know, it's just so untied to the fundamentals and the risk reward is it, it is so insane. Uh, but if if you've got strong hands and you keep it small, size small, you can make some
1: money. The the other other uh, uh, weaselly way to take advantage of this is if you ever see any online uh, stock. Uh, contests, uh, contests for prizes. I mean, I've done yeah. ones in the past for cars and so forth. Uh, they're very pro-volatility, right? You yeah. know, If you can be the worst guy, you might have been the best. And uh, this is a good opportunity if they allow shorting and uh, often are not adjusted for the operations yeah. and mechanics. It's a good opportunity to throw a in, lob in a short idea with very little downside. Um, and, and, then, and then one other last, go ahead, go ahead. last little thing I would just throw out is it does in my mind show some concerns i have about indexes themselves yeah. you know, this is a chance where you have somebody trading a basket of securities either in an etf or an index fund or just a trading basket uh, to not be price sensitive within the group and then of course if there is a market cap related basket you're buying more and more as the market cap explodes. No, and and, you know, people have made this point with banks
0: recently too, right? All banks have run up a lot on Donald Trump's election, and a lot of it, some of it's because of the regulation angle, and some of it is because a lot of people are forecasting an increase in interest rates, which at small levels is good for banks, but a lot of people are saying, look, there are some banks, in general it's good for banks to have interest rate increases, but there are some banks who it's going to be bad, and they're running up because ETFs and indexes are just buying banks in general. Last thing on short squeezes, I think a lot of people think urban. Herbalife where Carl Icahn owns approaching 30% of it and Bill Ackman has a massive position. I think a lot of people think the end game for Herbalife at some point is Carl Icahn buying a big stake pulling his borrow and trying to create a short squeeze in Herbalife. So I'll just throw it out there. If you have any last thoughts before we go to Lowe's. No, yeah, that yeah. sounds like a
1: distinct possibility. Okay,
0: so turning to Lowe's, the home retailer, uh, they reported some weak earnings this morning. Shares were down 3% on the news. They're now down 12% year-to-date, obviously underperforming an S&P 500 that's done well. But maybe even more importantly, they've underperformed their key competitor, Home Depot, who's that whose shares are down about 3% on the year. But included in this uh, earnings was a strange quote from the CEO that said, while we have made – this is a direct quote. While we have made progress in driving productivity in recent years, we are in the process of of evaluating meaningful incremental opportunities to drive shareholder value while continuing to meet customers' needs in an omni-channel environment. Uh, So, Chris, I just threw this on there, and we were talking about, like, what does this quote mean? Lowe's already buys back shares. It's not like they're a poorly capital-allocated company. What do you think they're
1: looking to do? Is this just corporate nonsense? What's going on? This is a mysterious quote. And uh, how much do I read into things like this? I read so much. I frequently come back to these long later and talk to management. And they say, that's what you thought I said? I was just talking. And so I look at this and say, to break down, first of all, uh, they're evaluating incremental opportunities. So that doesn't sound like some massive corporate transaction, you know, strategic review for Lowe's or something like that. So uh, incremental. um, And uh, omni-channel, when they talk about omni-channel, are are they talking about... Amazon and online, yeah. and what, what is the type of competition? It sounds like a little bit CYA uh, with bad results. So doing exactly what they're doing, this guy's not somebody who's going to go down with the ship. Mm-hmm. Or this is not somebody who's going to simply allow this and see if he doesn't get fired. He has a plan, but he was very mysterious about how he raised it. Yeah, you know, that it's funny because I think we're thinking very much along the same lines.
0: My first thought is, you say shareholder value, and your first thought is, are they going to sell a division? Are they going to split up? And it's... It, Uh, We're not experts in Lowe's, the company, but it doesn't seem like Lowe's has really split up potential. But your next thought is, oh... They've underperformed so far this year. They're not doing as well as Home Depot. This could be an activist target, and this sort of language might be designed to kind of head off activist, uh, activist uh, presence. But the omni-channel environment with meeting customers' needs in connection with shareholder value, I, I think you're right. I mean, do you think they're making an online push? Like, what is it?
1: You know, he's, he's certainly looking at the uh, Walmart, uh, Jet.com situation mm-hmm. and saying, like, is there something like that? But, but when you talk about Uh, driving shareholder value, I usually, from a shareholder perspective, think about that in terms of unlocking the value, returning capital to shareholders, uh, in some form, or revealing value where it's hidden. That's a hard case to make with this company. Yeah. So sorry to have an interesting question and not a concrete answer. Uh, I think we'll keep working on this one.
0: Yeah, it's just it's funny because look, they, they talk about they've got a dividend policy. They already buy back a lot of shares. It's not like they don't have any leverage. So those are kind of the typical things you think about when you drive just small incremental changes in shareholder values. They've got none of it there. So we just kind of wanted to try to read the tea leaves. It's a shame we have to say there's there's no answer here or we don't have anything but. it's it's
1: not a good one for just a dividend I mean this first of all that would be an overly mysterious way to say dividend increase but also we could well be in a sustained uh, increasing interest rate environment just being a kind of large cap dividend pair I think it's gonna be less and less attractive to yeah, investors I, as well
0: I you know and the more I think about it the more I think you're spot on where uh, meet customers needs in an omni channel environment. You know, Lowe's and Home Depot, I don't think they've really figured online out yet. And to some extent, look, going and buying lumber and home decor, it's easier to go it's easier to go buy it yourself and load it onto your into your car and deliver it yourself, but you could be right. They could be looking to buy a startup online kind of home decor delivery I guess decor is nothing, but is some form of online thing and they might be prepping shareholders, "Hey, we're about to go spend million on something that only does 20 million in shares because we need the technology and we need to advance. So that might be it. I don't know if that's exactly the type of shareholder value you'd want, but that might be what they're prepping for.
1: You know, this kind of thing uh, normally gets a better reaction if you can have this highly certain and concrete prediction of the future. But it's been a rough month so far for highly concrete, <laughs> and specific uh, predictions of the future. So I'm going to be much bigger into I don't knows after this. Our one. chances of driving shareholder better value are better than Hillary
0: Clinton's chances of winning the election. Let <laughs> tell me tell you that. Uh, any last thoughts on short squeezes, lows, mysterious tea leaf reading comments? Anything?
1: I have nothing, Todd.
0: All right, perfect. So that's all the time we have for today. Just before we hit our disclosures, a quick reminder if you have any feedback for us, please feel free to email it to us at podcast at rangecapital.com. Disclosures, Chris, I don't think we have any disclosures here. None. Okay, perfect. Uh, We will have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you guys next week.